Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Here's Douglas Louise, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big club mate. Gather round villains and welcome to the latest instalment of Gather Round the Lamp, our Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com, sponsored by Manscaped. We're recording the day after the away day at Crystal Palace, so we'll have a look back on that before looking ahead to the next two home games as Manchester City and Leicester City visit Villa Park in the next seven days. I'm Andy, and it's a warm welcome to Craig. Uh, thank you for the warm welcome. It's cold as balls over here in the US of A. I also see it's been snowing in Birmingham, so we'll have to keep the, the, the home fires roaring with Aston Villa's second win on the spin under Steven Gerrard. And um, yeah, lots of happy things to talk about. So uh, it, it's been nice the last couple of weeks, hasn't it, Andy? Things are taking a nice turn. It certainly has, and I must um, just a, a little a little shout out to um, one of our follow, followers, Daniel Kilgore, who uh, is over. I, I believe he lives in the in the states or in Canada, in North America, anyway. And he's over um, this week this week to watch a couple of Villa games, and he was at Crystal Palace yesterday. And he he messaged me um, a little while back to ask me about the weather in England <laughs> around this time, and I said it would be probably between 5 and 10 degrees Celsius and he'd be all right with a, a thin jacket and a and a jumper um and uh yeah he would have he would have been probably cursing me if he hasn't brought his coat but uh so I saw a picture on on Twitter of him and his wife and they look very very happy so um at Crystal Palace yesterday so I hope you're enjoying your trip to 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 England and I, um, I hope so too. If you if you caught short, get yourself down Mountain Warehouse, mate. I mean, they're, they're not a sponsor, but they make good coats for reasonable prices. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're well equipped. But um, they saw. Um, they witnessed Stephen Gerrard's second match at the helm yesterday, um, and he made some changes to the team. Which which had beaten Brighton the week before. Leon Bailey and Ashley Young came into the front three um, to replace Danny Ings and Emmy Buendia, as I believe you recommended last week, Craig. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> got another one spot on there. Um, and Douglas Louise also returned to the subs bench. It is unusual to see um, a changed Villa team after a win. Dean Smith used to like to to keep this keep a winning team. Um, but maybe this is a sign of, of a new era and a new way of doing things. Um, but what was you thinking behind behind the changes here? Yeah, I think um, he, he was thinking against Crystal Palace, um, you know, away from home, boisterous crowd at Selhurst Park. And, and, and Crystal Palace, to be fair to them, have been one of the informed teams in the league. And um, so it looked like a team set up to counter-attack at speed. Ashley Young, quick player, obviously not as quick as he once was, but still relatively fleet of foot, as we saw with that uh, breakaway for the opening goal against Brighton last week. 
Leon Bailey, obviously quickest player at the club by a country mile, and Ollie Watkins is no slouch either. So with that kind of front three, you're thinking we're going to absorb some pressure from Crystal Palace's array of attacking talent and then maybe spring a counter-attack, um, as we did kind of for the for the second goal. But um, I love it. I, I, I love that Gerard dropped a couple of players um, that, were, that weren't really at the races last week and hopefully it is a sign of things to come in this new era. Uh, because we do know in the old era, there were far too many players, you know, existing, I think, in a comfort zone who knew they were going to be picked regardless of form. So, you know, a big name like Danny Ings has learned a lesson already that under Steven Gerrard, you know, 17 touches of a football at home against Brighton is not going to be acceptable. Likewise, Brendia, uh, you know, he's learned a lesson there. He had a poor showing against Brighton too. And now both of them had a seat on the bench and it, it keeps the squad happy. It keeps, it keeps you know, everyone interested and eager because they know that they're going to be given a, a chance um, should, should, the, um, should, 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 the, should players in front of them not be playing well. Yeah, I think, I th- I think that's it. But it, I mean, sometimes I think even if they are, I mean, you know, the type of management that I, that I like is, is, Managers picking um, certain horses for courses, so to speak, certain players for certain games. Not everyone, it, it, you know, suits every every challenge. And you know, I do like the idea of of just just rotating the, the the team. You know, I don't like the idea of having a situation where you've got players in the team that simply can't be dropped and have to play no matter what. Um, a bit like we had before, and. Um, you know, it's it's good. You know, two thirty million pound players um, dropped to the bench after one game uh, with the new manager. That sends a, a you know a positive message, I think, to everyone. Um, it does, yeah. And, and, and plus, I mean, defensive wise, you probably want to pick your best defense and keep it for as long as you can because I think defensively you do need that that level of, of consistency. But in other areas of the field. Um, I think freshening it up and um, uh, and moving things around, and that's really the only way he's going to get to grips with with what his best team is. If he if he wants to know what his best team is, you know, to to actually change and and give give other players a chance and give give people a chance to to switch around and 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 show what they can do. Yeah, well, I think Target said, uh, Matty Target said in his interview with Villa TV, you know, there's only really been, I think, two sessions, he said, where everyone's been available uh, with the likes of uh, Trez uh, coming back. But we still haven't got Bertie Traore, who was one of our most important attacking players last year. You know, it, it's not just Dean Smith who's been in without a full complement of squad. You know, D- Gerard too, still hasn't got everyone available who might be under consideration. But this is fantastic for the squad. The squad need to know that if I do well, you know, I get to keep my shirt, which wasn't the case beforehand. You know, even with Marvellous, who we're going to talk about later on, um, you know, he played great against Brighton and he was arguably man of the match against Palace because he got to keep his shirt. I dare say, I dare say it's reasonable to suggest had Dougie Louise been fit, um, you know, under Smith, you know, marvelous would have found himself on the uh, on the on the bench, which would have been unfortunate because you know he's my marvelous goldfish now, and um, he was he was absolutely stunning. You know, he was having a lovely time swimming back and forth in front of the castle because no one was asking him to cross the the, the halfway line because, we, as we know, marvelous is not a fish that does well swimming upstream. Absolutely, and we'll get on to um, to Nakamba in, in in a little while as well. But um, Villa made a solid 
start to the game, the game maintaining a good shape, uh, looking after possession really well, um, despite some early sort of Palace pressure. Um, but it only took um, 15 minutes, um, you know, f- f- to get on the score sheet, score sheet as, as an Ashley Young corner found its way right across to Matt Target at the back post, who controlled well and slotted neatly um, through the crowd to make it 1-0. Um, we, we have all been uh, quite critical of uh, Matt Target this season, particularly myself, I think, of uh, giving him a bit of a hard time. I think you've um, wanted him dropped uh, every week. You, you've yeah, wanted, uh... I, I have. I think he's been um, pretty, no, probably the most out of form player um, uh, the early part of the season. Um, way off form. Um, and this is a player that, that won Players Player of the, the Year last season. Um, he has definitely looked more like his old self in the past two games. And that was a nice kind of cherry on the cake for him uh, to score that goal. Um, what what has changed for Target so far? Do you think under under Gerrard, and do you think um, he can nail down this le- left back position now more long term, particularly ahead of the January transfer window? Well, yeah, the January transfer w- window is looming large, and I think um, Target, you know, has the left back position pulled down, pulled down, pinned down, even because I think he is literally the only left back really we have at the at the club, um, and. You know, that is obviously going to have to change. But I think that Target has done better, undeniably much, much better. And it was great to see him on the score sheet. And one of the reasons I think he's improved since Gerard's come in is because the Gerard Beale system um, gives him a lot more protection than he had under the previous regime. I think the midfield, midfield three, again, we're going to talk about in more detail later on. But, you know, Marvellous McGinn and Ramsey have been doing a really excellent job of protecting their fullbacks. And I think Target has really benefited from that. And that's made him more comfortable and more, um, more, more, more confident even. I think that we underestimate the effect that losing a world-class talent in, in Jack Grealish had on Matt Target. So I think that uh, he's had to adapt. And, and I think you have to give some credit to Target himself. He looked an absolute broken man in that uh, Aston Villa TV interview after the Southampton game. But he fronted up. I was quite pleased with him. You know, he fronted up. He acknowledged publicly that he's been well off it. And, you know, in the international break, Dean Smith removed it. Steven Gerrard uh, came in and he's um, he's been able to refocus, it, refocus himself and come back better, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I was convinced um, up until the last couple of games that we would certainly be going into the market in January for a left-back because I just felt that he was so far off his game. And you do wonder, you start to wonder whether last season was some kind of strange, not flash in the pan, but maybe a, a result of of maybe not having supporters. You know, it's, I think, I imagine it's the hardest positions to play is the two full-back positions because you, you're constantly um, down the sides in earshot of the, the, the fans, particularly away from home. Um and maybe some players, certain players, perhaps preferred having empty stands uh, next to them in, in those situations. I'm not sure if that's the case with with Target, but it started to look like that. It started to feel like that, and um, you know, but the last two games he's been he's been excellent. He's been back to his 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 old self, and if if he's performing at that level, then there's absolutely no need to go and sign a, a fullback to replace him. You're signing. You know, we probably need someone to compete with him uh, for sure. But you know, 
I think I'm I'm less worried about that position than than I was um, after that Southampton game. Um, yeah, absolutely. We yeah we do need someone to come in and and, and compete with him. Um, but Target is kind of still playing for his future because all the players are. I think with under a new manager, new regime, you know, all that kind of thing. And you've mentioned the January transfer window, and and Target will be well aware that I think. As you said, Andy, Villa must sign a left back regardless of how Target is playing because we're so short in that in that in that region. Ashley Young was brought in to cover both fullback positions, but now obviously Steven Gerrard sees him as an attacking midfielder. Also, a shout out for Ashley Young um, for becoming the highest assist maker in Aston Villa's Premier League history. Yeah. Well done, Ashley! <laughs> it's incredible. What a player yeah. he's been yeah. for Villa. Um, but but Target is an interesting situation. Obviously, we know that we lost, uh, or, or I say lost, we didn't lose them. We didn't, we didn't lose them down the back of the sofa. Villa dispensed with the services of Taylor and Ahmed Al-Mahamadi, didn't renew their contracts in the summer, um, which wasn't really a problem at right back because Villa have a wealth of depth on the right-hand side. Obviously, Matty Cash, Young can play there. Gilbert is uh, doing well in France by all accounts. Konza can also play it right back. Twanzebi can also play it right back if needed. And we also have a very exciting young uh, Kane Kessler-Hayden waiting in the wings and making waves down at Swindon. So right back is not an area of concern. Whereas left back, Andy, as you alluded to, other than young, we don't really have any cover for target whatsoever or competition for target, either on loan or poised and ready in the under-23s to push him. So Bearing that fact, uh, fact in mind, and also the fact that Ashley Young is 36 and only here till the end of the season, presumably, Villa will need to sign a new left back anyway, sooner rather than later. So I would expect one to come in. But um, I suppose the question is, Andy, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier there, rather than looking to sign a replacement, would you now be looking to, to sign maybe a younger player who can maybe understudy target and, and push him in a year or two? What, what are you thinking? Because we need to sign a left back either way. Yeah, so I'm... I'm yeah, I think I think that's the way I would go. Um, you know, I think you always you always want to be looking for value, and I think if you're signing a player um, to to back up, um, a, a, you know, an established first team player, you're always going to struggle to get anyone who's just as established. If you like, you're looking to unearth some some kind of talent from 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 somewhere who someone who will come in and be kind of happy to 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 wait in the wings, um, if you like. So. I think that's the way I would go. I think they've got um, a young lad, Crescene, who I believe um, played for the under-23s the other the other yeah. day. Just back just back from injury, yeah. he's been out for a long time. Yeah, so we signed him from Exeter and he's he's a, a player who we believe has a big future, um, but whether he's just slightly too young. And I think that was part of the, um, the, the thing I liked about the Ashley Young signing was that it just gave one or two players like Hayden and like um, Crescene. The, the, your mate, Freddie, no, Freddie Gilbert too. Well, you know, <laughs> your favourite player. <laughs> one day he might he might uh, decide that he, he, he wants to stand in the right place. Um, but but certainly Hayden and, and um, Hay- Kessler Hayden and, and Crescene are, are players that, that perhaps just need a year or two still before they're really pushing Um for the first team spots, so you know, signing Ashley Young gives you that 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 option, doesn't it? To 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 bring them, so you're not you're not having to rush them through, kind of thing. So, um, but I think we probably realistically we do need another another player, um, and I would 
prefer to go sort of down the younger kind of age group, I think, to, um, you know, to, to do that job. But, I mean, we'll just see. We'll have to see. I imagine the, you know, the transfer um, plans have maybe changed. I mean, Perslow did an interview on AVTV um, the other day where, you know, he said that they probably weren't going to be looking to use the January transfer window at all um, pr- prior to making the managerial change. But clearly Steven Gerrard will have um, certain things in mind that he, he'll he ask the um, the board to do. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it sounds like there are plans to sign uh, certainly certainly a couple of players um, and maybe move a couple on in the in the January window so you know we'll see we'll see what they've what they've They're, got in mind I'm sure we'll do a, a transfer special once we uh, once we get closer to to the window yeah. but um, one player that has been linked heavily a young uh, Scottish right uh, left back sorry uh, Aaron Hickey the young lad at Bologna yeah. I mean that we talk about the profile of player that's a player who's now he's making appearances in Serie A uh, Scottish, obviously, I love to see young players going abroad. I think it show it's like it shows real, you know, intestinal fortitude. So you know he's made of the right stuff, and he's 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 doing very well by all accounts uh, for Bologna in Italy. Um, so someone like him, he is uh, 19, 19, yeah. 20, yeah, something 19, like that. 20, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of age he's. If he's coming into a Premier League club, maybe he's not expecting to be a. A guaranteed starter, but you'd think in the next year or two he might be pushing, pu- pushing Matty Cash. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a, an excellent shout, and I, I had actually forgotten about him. But yeah, um, yeah, totally. Uh, I'd totally be on on board with that. So we'll see what happens in January. But but I mean back to the game. You know, um, Villa continued to, to to grow into the game with some attacking intent putting some excellent moves together and dominating the ball um you know during the during the first half um as the frustration started to start to set in for palace um zaha probably escaped a little bit with a red a red card with a borderline kind of shove hit out type thing at matty cash um the pattern continued into the second half as, as palace um with their wealth of attacking talent huffed and puffed trying to break through Villa's midfield and defence. Um, there was a glimmer of hope for them as substitute Douglas Louise was shown a straight red. Um, you know, but it was only only for it to be uh, downgraded to a yellow after the, the VAR, VAR check. Um, the ref had a bit of a shock yesterday from what I could tell. Um, did Villa get away with one here or, or do you think that was the correct decision for Dougie Louise? I think it was absolutely the correct uh, decision, Andy. I think the referee was was a bit of a mess. It was his Premier League debut, and um, I don't know if he's nervous or if he's just incompetent. But there were some bizarre uh, decisions. You're, you're giving the benefit of the doubt, a young ref coming through. You don't want to hammer him too soon, but um, it did. It was like a throwback to the Championship years where we had some horrendous officials. Um, so yeah, so it was almost nightmare flashbacks going on there. Um, I'm not sure the Douglas Ruiz challenge was even necessarily a yellow card, to be fair, to be fair particularly based on some of the sliding lunges that Coyote uh, for Crystal Palace had gotten away with. Um, there was one bad one on, on, on uh, Watkins that wasn't even given us a foul. Um, I think Dougie came in cold. Um, he wasn't up to speed, having missed over a month of action. And uh, I think he was a little late into the challenge, but it wasn't reckless or dangerous or malicious or anything like that. So 
I mean, I think the ref, you know, saw 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 the stars in his eyes and thought, oh, red card on my debut. Uh, but but no, I think uh, obviously the people at Stock Stockwell Park went into his ear and said, no, mate, <laughs> you've made you made a hash there. And thankfully, that was an example of VAR working working correctly. Uh, the decision was overturned quickly, so it was all good. You mentioned that the Zaha incident, Andy, which I think was certainly more worthy of a red card. And that's just not me with my villa glasses on. You can't lash out like that and hit someone in the, the, the upper body, face, chest, whatever it is, and get away with it usually. So, And also Zaha also has plenty of form for that kind of sort of petulant kind of thing. So I think he may have been a little uh, lucky to, to, to escape with a yellow card, uh, Andy, Zaha. Yeah, I thought that um, when I saw it. I thought it was... Um yeah, I called it sort of a borderline one, maybe one of those kind of orange card ones, but we've certainly seen players sent off for reacting like that. Um, you know, it is essentially some sort of um, retaliation. There was no no need for it. There was no, um, you know, it was, a, it was a bad reaction and he lost his head. And um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Didn't he have a, a, a bit of a coming together with Tyro Mings last season at Villa Park? Um, and Mings yeah. ended up getting Mings sent was off. Sent, yeah, yeah, Mings got sent off yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, so we've had a bit of um, a bit of form with with Zaha, haven't we? Uh, uh, over the last um, few games. So um, yeah, he was just very, <clears throat> obviously very um, uh, frustrated by by what was going on. But yeah, I, well, he was in he was in Matty Cash's back pocket, wasn't he? That's why he was upset. Yeah, absolutely. He had he had no real influence on the game whatsoever. Um, and for all, you know, the talk of Crystal Palace's attacking attacking talent, you know, they've got some really talented players. Um, they really didn't look uh, particularly dangerous at all. I, I I didn't think for for most of the game they had their moments, but well, nothing nothing major. They did not have a shot on target until I think the 79th minute, which was a kind of speculative uh, effort by Benteke uh, with his back to goal. Kind of, you know, was, was nice. We've seen him score them. Um, <laughs> we have seen him score them, but that was that was back in his pump. Yeah. I was trying to think. This is nothing to do with the game. I was trying to think to myself, and I don't know the answer, and I haven't googled it. Maybe you know the answer, Andy. I was looking at uh, Benteke and Ashley Young on the pitch together, and I was just trying to think: Did they ever play together? I feel like they just. Missed each other, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, they missed. Young never played under Lambert. Did no, he? they missed each other by about a year. Um, okay. Yeah, McLeish, Ashley Young left essentially at the end of Julio's season uh, after McLeish yeah. had taken over. Um, that was a done deal, and um, obviously McLeish lasted a year, and then Lambert came in and signed Benteke. So. Um, yeah, it's a shame we never got to see them two linking up because that would have been uh, frightening. Uh, those two, and and Downing as well. Um, that would have been frightening with a young Benteke. Well, January's January's I, coming. You never know. I, no, Ben. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, Benteke. Um, Benteke didn't didn't. I don't think he broke into a sprint. I'm no. not sure he would do any good no. in our in our system. Um, you know, with with Watkins at the head of the press. Although I, I tell you what. The, the ball was bouncing off Ollie Watkins, something rotten. He needs to have a look at his hold-up play. But I just want a, a quick word for Matty Cash before I forget on the Zaha thing. Um, I thought Matty Cash was excellent with Zaha. Zaha is a tricky customer. I don't remember watching too many Crystal Palace games where Zaha is so neutralised that he gets subbed off by Crystal Palace um, when when they're chasing the goal. So I think that that 
absolute round of applause to Matty Cash for that for that performance. Oh, absolutely. I mean that 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 tells you everything, doesn't it? You know the fact that they just had no choice but to but to hook him, and you know maybe partly because of the because of the yellow card as well. But again, that's 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 all part of it, isn't it? The job that Matty Cash had done on him, and 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 Matty Cash had some some reasonable moments going going um, going forward as well. So you know that's good to see. Um, what what did what did you reckon about Ollie Watkins? I just I just mentioned mm-hmm. him there. I I thought his whole I thought him and him and Bailey. I, I tweeted about this. I don't have the figures in front of me. I think uh, uh, Greg Evans tweeted Bailey lost the ball something like fourteen times, and it seemed uh, Watkins was doing the same thing. Um, did 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 you notice that, or am I, I being th- hypercritical as ever? I, th- <laughs> I think they marshaled him well. To be fair, I think uh, they had Tompkins and and Coyate, didn't they? And I don't know if they had another centre back there. That I just, I just felt they 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 marshalled him reasonably well. Although um, the moments when he actually got on the ball and turned and and ran at them, I thought he looked really dangerous and I thought he frightened them. Um, and that was um, uh, shown up by the fact that he had at least three penalty claims against against him. You know where he was pretty convinced. You know he should have been given a penalty. So. Um, there was a bit of panic, I think. You know, when he get when he gets on the ball and runs, particularly given what he did last week to Brighton, um, I think uh, there was a little bit of panic setting in whenever he did that. I mean, you know, his, his hold up plays one thing. Um, you know, I think that's only only part of what you get with Ollie Watkins. A lot is made, and Dean Smith made an awful lot of Ollie Watkins um, in the press and. And with his back to goal and that sort of thing, but there's so much more to Ollie Watkins' game than just that, and and uh, it's a it's a big part of it, obviously. But it doesn't look to me like Gerard is 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 pushing that too much um, with Watkins. I think it looks like he's 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 kind of more keen on, on to get Watkins into into the channels and and getting turned and and you know and facing up defenders, which. Which I I would much rather see because I think he's I think he's um, he can be blistering in those situations. So that's my view uh, on Watkins. I actually thought he looked he looked pretty decent, um, you know, particularly second half. Uh, yeah, he did. I was just just some of his hold up play. <laughs> no, one. just some of his hold up play. I, I I was you know I'm I suppose when when the when the ball go, and and we'll come on to this in the Man City um, the Man City uh, uh, preview later on, but. You know, sometimes when the ball goes up, particularly when you're under pressure, and we weren't under pressure like Man City are going to put us under pressure, but but Crystal Palace were camped in our half for large periods. And sometimes when the, uh, and I think Ashley Priest, Priest uh, for the Mail wrote an article about this, Ming's balling out Watkins for this very reason, for a cheap giveaway on the halfway line. Sometimes you just need your striker to take the ball, run it into a channel, keep the ball, lay it off to a teammate. And I think there was a few times... And, and maybe I'm being overcritical. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me where Watkins gave it away a little bit cheaply uh, for me when we could have done, the defence could have done with a little bit of respite. But the trouble is with Man City, as we'll get on to, you, you give them the ball cheaply, you don't see it again for 12 minutes. Yeah, no, but I, I, I do think certainly, I mean, we'd get, again, we'll get on to the City game in a bit, but um, against against a team like City, he's going to get more joy, um, I think, uh, running the channels than, than he will. Um than he will with his, his back to goal um, in the middle, really. So we'll see. We'll see what, what Stephen Gerrard has got got lined up for them. But um, further further changes to the Villa 
to the Villa uh, lineup with with El Ghazi coming on for Bailey and Emi Buendia came on for for Ashley Young, who I thought again was had a really good game. Um, and it was it was those two who combined with a lovely interchange before El Ghazi squared to to McGinn, who produced a pinpoint curling effort, an absolute beauty, um, to put Villa two 0 up. Um, the midfield had, had been excellent throughout, but that's two very good performances now for for the Scotsman under Gerrard. So could he finally be um, establishing that consistency which you've been crying out for over recent weeks and months? <laughs> it's just me eating a slice of humble pie. Yeah, <laughs> cry is an accurate description. To be fair, Andy, I have been crying about <laughs> McGinn for months, but I think justifiably um, his past completion stats been nowhere near good enough for the whole of last season. Much of this, I think, he also went missing when Dean Smith needed him most. But having said that, you have to be fair. You have to be balanced. And in the last two games under Steven Gerrard, John McGinn has been reborn. I think he has less freedom in the Gerrard system, which is probably sounds wrong because he's he just popped up with a goal there. Um, and I think, but I think the less freedom is is helping with his game. Um, I think his passing's been much better, and he's getting into areas where he can hurt the opposition with those deep crosses. We saw a lot of those against Brighton, uh, deep kind of cross shots, which he, he took one against Crystal Palace, nearly went into the top corner. Um, and let me talk about what I mean in terms of him being more restricted, which helps him, I think. I think lots of fans delight when they see McGinn popping up at left back one minute and then being the most advanced right winger the next minute. But when that's happening, it means something's gone badly wrong with the team shape. It also means that McGinn has inevitably left a large hole in the area where he's supposed to be behind him. But in this new McGinn, and admittedly it's only two games under Gerrard, so I'm not going to get too carried away either, either, either way. He's beginning to look like the elite player that we all um, hoped he could be because he is hugging that right touchline. Um, and then he's able to, to to dink in on his left foot, spray balls across the the park, cross deep again those those deep diagonals for 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 target on the left hand side. You know it's all looking really really good. And he popped up on the edge of the box, obviously for a wonderful wonderful hit. That's a brilliant goal, by the way. Watch that slow motion replay. That is right in the top corner. That that uh, John McGinn strike, absolutely flawless. So. Um, I think now, as as you mentioned, Andy, that the key for John McGinn is going to be consistency. Um, you know, it is all well and good doing it for Scotland against Liechtenstein. And it's all well and good doing it for Villa, you know, once or twice every five games. But the best midfielders in the league, the Declan Rices, the N'Golo Kantes, the uh, Ilkay Gundawans, they do it week in and week out. And that is now the challenge for John McGinn. But it, it is it is a incredible start under Gerard. Yeah, he's been he's been excellent the first two games and. He's still doing those um, kind of what I call the McGinnian moves, um, you know, the little pirouettes, those little kind yeah. of back to goal or, or, you know, back to goal kind of, you know, sticks his bum in and, and, and turns, um, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's excellent at that. And those 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 aspects are always, I think, going to be part of his game. But like you, I kind of feel that um, he's being not that Dean Smith gave him too much freedom. I think Dean Smith wanted to to encourage him to, you know, to play, you know, and to and to be himself. But I think Gerard is perhaps being a little bit more. Well, no, we want you to do this. We want you. These are the areas we want you to cover. Um, and 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 so far, it's really helping because he's not out of position. You know, he's he's always there. He's always 
um, supporting Nakamba, he's supporting Ramsey, you know, and he's 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 setting off attacks and he's getting involved and and that's what you want. That's that's all you can ask from for for, for John McGinn. And um, I mean, you know, everyone knows how much. If you listen to this podcast, you know how much I love I love the Meatball Man. Um, he's 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 my favourite Villa player, probably from any time in the last twenty years. To be fair, but you know, hold, hold on. What what about the old uh, the old Cap- Captain Marvel that we just lost? Isn't you, you, is he is he banished no, now? I was, I was no. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into this. The, uh, you know, I I, I never liked the, him anyway. Some of the off the field antics <laughs> you, you didn't appreciate. No, I, to be I, fair, I, McGinn is my sort of player. You know, he's he's. He's um, he appeals to my um, sense of how I like to see the game played. Not that Grealish didn't, but um, so you know, certainly. I, I, Andy, are you saying that you? Let me ask you a question here. Are you saying that you, as a human being, are more likely to turn up at the office Christmas party dressed as a turkey than you are to turn up at Ross McCormick's house with a uh, a bag of goodies? Is that what you're saying? Um, I, yeah, absolutely. And I'd I'd rather I'd rather go to a uh, a Christmas party where John McGinn was present than uh, than the other chap. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, don't. I think we need to stop mentioning Ross McCormack's name on this podcast because it it gives me a shudder down my spine every time I hear it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I, I um yeah I, I I love McGinn and it's great to see him um performing last two games and it is only two games. So we will keep. Um, we, we we won't get too excited, but it's certainly great to see him, and it and, was a great goal. But yeah, that's the other thing. I want to. I want to. I'm. I'm. I know that I'm hard on John McGinn, but I'm hard because I know he can do better. Like I'm. Ne- I'm. I'm never going to be as hard on someone like. Uh, uh, well, no, maybe I'm hard on everyone. <laughs> but but the, the 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 reason I'm harder on on John McGinn. This this takes me back to primary school. Here we go. So we will go back in our way back when machine here. But I remember I thought that one of the teachers at primary school, Mrs. Rudd, was picking on me. And I went home and I said to my mom and dad, I told them that Mrs. Rudd was picking on me. And, um, you know, I think I was about eight. And they told me in short shrift, well, you better go deal with it then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a kid. There was, there was no, not a lot of mollycoddling going on in, in, in the storage household. Um, and so I had to, I had to go, I had to go. They made me go in and, 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 and they, they told me how to do it. So they didn't just leave me alone. They said, you, you go to the teacher, you say... Um, Mrs. Rudd, can I have a conversation with you? At the end of the day, there's something I want to talk to you about. And that's how you deal with it. And so I did. And I told her that I thought she was picking on me. And she said, I am picking on you, but I'm only picking on you because I know you do better. You, I know you can do better, Craig. I don't bother with the other kids that I don't think can do any better. <laughs> I just leave them to it. So that's me with John McGinn. Um, I know he can do better. So I'm always going to pick on him because I know he, he can do better. I know that he may be the Aston Villa captain one day. And I know that he is here, hopefully, for the long haul as part of part of our club. And I know he can do better than the other kids, which is why I'm going to pick on him more. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And I think, you know, certainly, you know, we, we gave him kind of a, you know, a few months grace, didn't we, when he was coming back from his, his injury um, during... Project restart and the start of last season and so on, and but it never really got going to any great extent. He's been better this season. I think he's been more like his old self more often. But there have been those games where he's he's just been he's just been um, not at the races. And like you say, that you know you've got to be able to pass the ball in the midfield. 
Um, and uh, hopefully now, hopefully we, we, we're starting to see that that consistency come into his game, and you know that will only be good for for Villa because he 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 is he is a unique talent. He's a unique type of type of midfielder that we don't see an awful lot, and there are lots of Premier League teams I think that would take him um, in their midfield just because of what he gives you. Um, but it's no good, like you say, it's no good doing it once every four or five games. You've got to, it's got to be at least every once once every three games. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you've got to flip that upside down. It's all right to have an off day once every four, five, six games. Yeah. That That's fine. But you don't want to, it's not okay to just have an on day once every five or six games. Yeah, yeah but he's he's improving, um, as are some of the others. Um, Villa conceded um, a late injury time goal, um, but managed to see the match out for a, for a thoroughly deserved victory. It was one of the more professional and clinical displays of the season, with several players receiving high praise for their performances. Not least, our old friend Marvellous Nakamba, um, who was instrumental again in protecting the back four, notwithstanding one or two um, more characteristic errors that we've seen him, him make before, um, which fortunately went unpunished. The early signs are that he's benefiting under the new regime. Do you see him holding down this position in the team again with with January coming up on the horizon? Well, um, it's early days um, um, because we're just two, two, two games into the Steven Gerrard era, but it seems as though what Steven Gerrard is asking for for that kind of central defensive midfielder is different to what Dean Smith was asking for in that central defensive midfield area. Dean Smith has always looked, you know, and we've spoken about this before on the podcast, he's always had a Ryan Woods Woods type player or a, a Sawyers type player, kind of Harahan as the deepest lying, you know, Dean Smith likes a deep lying playmaker, which again, you know, Marvellous is our goldfish, you know, he can't climb trees. He is never ever, ever, and I mean ever, going to be a deep-lying playmaker, whereas Douglas Louise is and can be, which is why Douglas Louise was always um, preferred. But it seems, but again, we don't know yet, but it seems, based on, on, on two games, that what Steven Gerrard is asking for is a more conventional break-up play, be a pest, be a wasp in there, be a nuisance, uh, win the ball back, slide in, and, and pass it five or ten yards to a, a more talented teammate. If that is the role that Stephen Gerrard is, if, if that is the, the the scope of the role that Stephen Gerrard needs, then marvelous Nakamba's numbers at doing that are elite. His defensive numbers are elite. His uh, interceptions elite. Breaking up play elite. Tackles, positioning, all that stuff is elite. It's the other side of the game where you ask him to be a deep lying playmaker, where he is very bad <laughs> so again you don't ask him to do it you see how he can shine so it will be interesting to see if that is going to be the role then marvelous Nakamba is made for it but if 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 as we move forward Gerard wants a bit more and wants more of a you know deep line playmaker wants some more balls over the top wants some more um, switches of play or long long you know sp- long spraying passes long 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 sprayed Passes, is that a phrase? <laughs> anyway, sprays past long that, uh, you know, the kind of the pass that Gerard used to be able to do from, from, from deep in midfield. Nakamba's never going to be able to do that. So it depends what Steven Gerrard wants. But there is a large caveat with marvellous Nakamba, a, a large 
African tournament known as the African Cup of Nations is just weeks away. So we are going to be losing Marvelous in January for around, uh, I think, at least a month, regardless um, of whether or not he figures into the team. So presumably with only Douglas Louise available, we'll have to see some kind of some kind of movement in January just to cover Marvelous. Yeah, I hadn't, hadn't, hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a problem. And, um, you know, I think, well, it may or may not be a problem. It just depends what they do in January and, and, and how, how Marvelous does over the next few weeks. Again, we have to, you know, always caveat it with it's only it's only two games, but he has looked he has looked very, very accomplished um in that position. And I think you're absolutely bang on when you say, you know, it's 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 a lot of it is due to what he's asked being asked to do and what he's not being asked to do. Um which is uh which is crucial, isn't it? You know, um he's got other players around him that can that can do the the other side of the game that he's not he's not so good at but he, there's no doubt about it he's he just he just he's constantly on the move in that midfield sniffing out danger you know putting out fires and you know doing all those things that that we want him to do and there's there is scope for that i mean you know plenty of teams have that type of player um and uh you know and if if it's done right it can be very successful you know, if that the problem is if that player has an off day, then you can be in trouble. Um, but I suppose that that that's the same with any um, with any uh, position on the field in in many ways. Um, but yeah, I've I've been really impressed, really impressed um, with with marvelous. And you know, I, I feel like he's what I, what I also love about him is his commitment. He's 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 totally on the ball all the time. He's totally focused all the time, and you know, I, I don't get that feeling with Douglas Louise. I don't get the feeling that he's he's always tuned in to what's happening around him. <laughs> he gets away with a lot because he's, he's he's very talented, but I think Nakamba is 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 con, his concentration levels are, you know, supreme in my opinion. He's always on it. They are. And 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 again, and his his numbers will show you that his his numbers are incredible. Um, we we do. I mean, we talked earlier about the um, about in terms of players from the under twenty threes who maybe could be ready to do a job at left back. Chris Sen again, you know, I think he's he might be sixteen or seventeen. It could be a little young, but you know, if you're old enough, you're good enough, or if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. Rather, <laughs> is the right way to say that. Whoo. <laughs> 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 um, there is a young man, I think, recently signed from uh, West Bromwich Albion, uh, West Brom's academy, who is looking very good in the under-23s, uh, who can play that def- as that defensive midfielder. A young man by the name of Tim Iroigunbumum, which I may have mispronounced. Um, I probably have mispronounced. But anyway, uh, have you had a look at him in the under-23s, Andy? Do you think he could be maybe an understudy to come up to to the bench while Marvellous is away? Or do you think we do need to dip into the uh, the market? Um, in a word, I've not seen him play, no. <laughs> so that's not a word, that's a sentence. But no, I haven't seen him. And, and I've obviously heard heard very good things about him um, from people that, you know, that do go and, and, and watch these games. And he's, he's, he seems to be doing incredibly well. He's very highly thought of and, and they were very pleased to get him. So... Um, I imagine that um, he'll come into the reckoning at some point. Um, whether 
this January is is a bit too soon. Uh, probably is, in fairness. Um, I think most most young players you'll find will have a loan or two before they come into the into the first team reckoning. Um, obviously, there are one or two exceptions to that um, uh, currently in the squad, but you know, I think I think. Um, yeah, I think it's probably a little bit a little bit soon for for, for him. I'm not going to try and say his name. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I, well, I, one player whose name I can say is is another potential option is uh, Lamar Bogard, who who was heavily involved in the uh, in the preseason uh, fixtures yeah. for Aston Villa. Who also um, he, he's a, a centre back at the moment, but he kind of has also played defensive midfield. Or maybe it's Potted Plant Axel Twanzebi who'll, who'll step into the breach. Yeah, the, yeah. There's, there are options. I mean, there, there? Yeah. there are there are there are definitely some options, but I would be interested to see what Steven Gerrard does because there are there have also been links with the uh, is it Glenn Kamara yeah from from yeah. Rangers um, who who was Gerrard's kind of go to man uh, up there yeah and I think I think you know Dan was on here a couple of weeks ago sort of described him more as that kind of metronome type type midfielder so. Not so much a playmaker, but more of a, a, a Jorginho type of midfielder. Um, but I've heard different things about him. You know, some people say he's more attacking. Some people say he's very good defensively. Um, ultimately, he again will be um, stepping up a level or two um, if he makes the move back to the Premier League because um, it's going to be a totally different challenge for him. Uh, so he's, you know, it's, he's although. Gerard might want him and might rate him, but it might take him a little while to, um, you know, to settle in if he does make the move. So, um, yeah, we'll keep 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 an eye on that one. But for now, I think Marvelous is keeps his keeps his place in the team for me. And whether Douglas Louise is fit or not, I think um, I think it's I think it's Marvelous's shirt to lose now. Um, but uh, yeah, but we need to we need to discuss. Uh, something else now, Craig. Have you got any any good advice for us going into the the Christmas the Christmas uh, period? Yeah, I've already I've already uh, I've already um, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I did have a um, a genuine encounter. So so this is this is the second real story. I already told you about Mrs. Rudd um, from uh, from 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 my from my school days. Um, I used my Manscaped 4.0 uh, razor today with a ceramic blade in the shower. I used it because I have some travel plans. As I mentioned on last week's show, I am trying very, very hard to come back to England in the next few days. Hopefully the travel restrictions don't make that impossible. And I thought that I need to be absolutely well-groomed and fresh because if I show up next week at Villa Park on Sunday... Uh, for the Leicester City game. And, you know, I, I was imagining it. You know, I've, I've maybe had a pint or two. It's very possible that I would do that. That is not hard to believe. And, you know, once you've had a few pints, sometimes you break the seal. And once you've broken the seal, what do you have to go and do? You have to go, you have to go pee-pee. Or at least I do, anyway. If you're younger, maybe you don't. Maybe I just have a small bladder. Don't know. Anyway, if I've had, if I've had a pint or three, I need to wee like a, a shire horse. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, Craig, Craig, you are talking about Manscaped every week. If you show up to Villa Park, if you, against Leicester City, if you have a pint or three and you keep needing to go to the bathroom to have a little tinkle, what are the Villa Park faithful going to think if you show up at the urinal 
I stand there, I, un, I unzip my trousers and I go to take out the, the love length and, you know, it dims the lights in the place. <laughs> that may or may not be true. And, um, and then, you know, someone's next to me, maybe they listen to the show, they have a glance over, you know, they're, they're, they're curious. First of all, they can smell something. It's the wonderful smell of the ball deodorant. They think, oh, my God, this guy smells wonderful. This guy's releasing botanical scents into the into the urinal. And I'm thinking of a guy next to me decides to have a glance over and he sees a he, he it looks like I've got Jason Jason Lee smuggled in my uh, wife friends. He's gonna think, hey, Craig, you've been lying to us all these weeks. You've been telling us about manscaped. You haven't manscaped a thing. So I was like, no, I can't let that happen. So if I'm there next week against Leicester, and if you're at the urinal next to me, and if you'd decide to have a cheeky look. You will no, not see a pube. You will smell nothing but my fresh balls and my urine, which contains probably lots of beer. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. And I'll be able to look you in the eye and you'll be able to look me in the eye. It's not going to be weird. We're not talking about like a uh, George Michael kind of encounter here. We're talking about two men at the urinal knowing that they share something sacred. And that is a connection to Manscaped. It is a connection to dry, fragrantly smelling balls and no Jason Lee living in the Y fronts. I mean, I don't know why I said Y fronts. I wear boxer shorts, if you're curious. Manscaped also have silk boxer shorts, of which I have a pair, and they are wonderful for keeping your balls cool. So if you're, if you're there next, next, <laughs> next Sunday at Leicester City, and I'm there too, you can say to me, Craig, I listen to the show and... I now believe that you practice what you preach because you are manscaped to within an inch of perfection. And if you want to join me in being manscaped to perfection, where all the inches count in that area, then make sure you use our promo code, which is L-A-M-P, which is LAMP, which gets you free international shipping and 20% off all of your orders. That's free international shipping and 20% of all your orders and also if you head to manscape.com in the next couple of days i believe they also have a black friday and cyber monday sales so you can get even more money off with our promo code l-a-m-p at www.manscaped.com well thank you craig uh, i wasn't sure where that was going at one point i thought you maybe had a had a, an image that they were going to follow you to the bathroom with a camera and put you on the big screen and everyone was going to uh See, understand, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, no. Thanks for that, and, and absolutely uh, get for the right compensation that can be arranged. Aston Villa, <laughs> that's what you're looking to do. Uh, Manscaped, you can do. We can do. A, we could do a partnership if you like. I mean, for the right compensation, you know, for for less than it will cost for a government PPE contract, I might be able to make that happen for all of the wonderful listeners inside Villa Park. <laughs> Anyway, and I'll tell you something, I, I did tell, I, I talked on this podcast before you joined the podcast, we were, for some reason, myself, Regan and Mark were talking about the uh, the uh, Villa Park gents' toilets and the fact that the only thing you can smell in there is strawberry vape, um, <laughs> which is which is far better than the, the previous kind of uh, nicotine and burning um, smell that you normally, that you would normally get in the gents' toilets, but... Uh, no, absolutely. Um, 
yeah. So if 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 your manscape ball deodorant is better than that, then absolutely great. <laughs> anyway, before we get on to the the city match, we should discuss another story um, which has been doing the rounds over the weekend surrounding academy prospect Carney Chukomeka. Um, it has been reported that he will refuse offers of a new deal at Villa in favour for seeking a move to either of the Manchester clubs or one of the big German clubs who have been looking at him for a long time. Carney has been a regular in the matchday squad this season, but has found minutes on the pitch hard to come by despite some of the underperformers in that area, certainly prior to Gerard coming in. It seems Villa may struggle to hang on to, to such a sought-after player, um, but how do you see see this issue and, and should Villa be trying harder to perhaps develop this pathway uh, for their young talent? No, I think Carney Chokomenka should be trying harder to get into the team. I think he needs to understand where he is on the totem pole, where he is in the pecking order. This is a player who has done nothing in the men's senior game and he needs to knuckle down and you know earn the spot in the Aston Villa team. Obviously, we know he has wonderful talent and wonderful potential. But potential, you know, only pays the bills for so long. Just ask the Moore brothers or Nathan Delfonso. At some point, you've, you know, at some point as a young player, the rubber has to meet the road. And um, obviously, I don't want you to get me wrong, Chukwamenka is not there yet. He is like 17, 18, just turned 18, sorry, last month. He is incredibly young. And he could literally have, you know, depending on what position he plays, almost 20 years left ahead of him of his career. So it's not like there's a big rush. Um, this smells to me, and I don't know. I don't know. This is an assumption. It smells to me like agent talk. It smells to me like they're in negotiation and, you know, the agent leaks something to a friendly journalist to try and get more money out of Villa. And hopefully that's all it is. It's a little wrangling, a little bit of negotiation and and, and Villa sign him up to, to a new long-term deal. Um, but ultimately, it's on to Carney Trokomenka. If 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 Dean Smith and Steven Gerrard, uh, both two coaches whose judgment that I I trust, um, have chosen or decided that at this point in time he's not ready to start or make more appearances for Aston Villa, then I believe it's because he's not ready at this moment in time to start or make more more minutes or make more appearances for Aston Villa. Now, obviously, that can change very quickly. We've mentioned we've got uh, players leaving us for the African Cup of Nations. Uh, Trezeguet, I think, will be fit in a couple of weeks, and he's going to leave quickly to, to probably be an AFCON with Egypt. Uh, Traore, maybe the same thing. He might get fit and disappear. Um, Nakamba will certainly be off um, to represent uh, uh, Zimbabwe in the... Um, not Zimbabwe. Yeah, it's Zimbabwe. Yeah. It is Zimbabwe, yeah. Okay, yeah. The Canberra will be off to, uh, to, to, to represent Zimbabwe in the African Cup of Nations as well. So there, there is going to be, over that busy Christmas and festive period, there's going to be opportunities for some of our under-23 players. We may not be able to get the players that we want in, you know, until the end of January. And, and as Christian Perslow alluded to in his interview that you, you referenced, Andy, there are expected to be a couple of exits as well. I mean, we can speculate probably another day who we think um, those people might be on the uh, chopping block, as it were. But the most important thing for Kani Trokomenko, I think, is to, um, you know, if... if is is to appreciate the progress that he's made. You know, FA Cup, a uh, Youth Cup win, made his first Premier League start this year against uh, uh, Brentford. And if you need an example um, of pathways, 
have a look at your mate there, Jacob Ramsey, you know, two or three years older than you, did the same thing, made his debut, I think, in the championship, came on as a sub, made his first Premier League start, I believe, last season and has now forced his way into the first team at Aston Villa in a very short space of time. There's nothing saying that by the end of this season or by the big, you know, midway through next season that Carney Chokromenko won't be, you know, one of the first names on the Villa team sheet too. Um, but lots of that's down to to the player. I've no doubt that Dean Smith or Steven Gerrard um, wouldn't, would, I've got no doubts that they would play him if they believed that he was, you know, one of our best 11 players at this moment in time. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And this, like I say, this does feel like agent agent talk a little bit. And um, what we don't want is is a player, you know, a young player getting too kind of involved in this type of thing, you know, way too early in their career, really. I think, you know, obviously, look, you know, if he sees his future elsewhere, then that's up to him. That's that's fine. Um, but hopefully it isn't, you know, with, with any kind of... Um, I mean, certainly. I mean, look, if, if if he can't get in the Villa team at the moment, he's hardly likely to to make his way into the Man City team or or, or Man United. Yeah. He'd be going out on loan, you know, to a level probably lower than than Aston Villa, wouldn't he? So, um, I think the the only time the only thing you could say is that the, the the pathway for young players, young British players in particular, in Germany, you know, seems to be well established and. That might be a route that he's looking at if he's certainly looking at guys like Bellingham and, and so on. And I wouldn't necessarily mind that. I mean, if 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 he wants to chuck him in, and I'm, I'm, I don't know that he is, I'm just asking a question here. I'm not attacking the young man. Again, I don't necessarily even believe this has come from him. This sounds like a representative itching for a, a, a larger a larger slice of the pie. Uh, but again, I'm speculating. But if, if Carney is being advised, and again, I don't know that he is, but if he's being advised you know, to go jump on the Chelsea merry-go-round or the Man City merry-go-round and be loaned out for the next five years and, and somehow someone's trying to convince him that that's going to be best for his development, then I would uh, I would definitely caution him against that. We've seen so many talented careers kind of lost under the, uh, lost lost in, 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 that, in that, taking that route. So what I would be interested in, in terms of the German model is, and, and this is something that, that, that obviously Villa did uh, by buying Adama Troyore from Barcelona. They had a buyback option. And also when um, Villa bought Douglas Ruiz from, from Manchester uh, City, they had a buyback option. If we were to sell Carney Trokwamenka, um, I don't know, to, to a Dortmund, and he was going to go play for two years, and we had a buyback option, I don't think I'd be too perturbed about that I, I i'd be quite fine about that that everyone wins he gets to go play football he can go play champions league football but his uh you know it's protected and villa can get him back for an, a pre-agreed fee that could be in everyone's best interest but i think he's he's so close to the first team right now i mean he's an injury or a suspension or an african cup of nations from starting for aston villa in the premier league so um, I, I hope that uh, his his representatives understand what a wonderful opportunity he has at aston villa right now yeah absolutely and I think as, as things are as things stand at the moment obviously he's not go, he's not going anywhere yet so um, he's still under contract so you know hopefully things will get sorted and maybe if it is a case of um, just needing to, to to up the offer a little bit and then, then maybe maybe that will happen but he has to he has to um, be making more of more inroads into the into the first team first but he has come an awfully long way in a very short space of time so 
um, fair play to him and, and and I really hope to see him um, get get his opportunities, I think, later in the season. Um, but it's probably unlikely to get his opportunity this Wednesday um, as, as we await the return of our former Prince, Jack Grealish, as we take on Man City at Villa Park. Um, since that £100 million move over the summer, Grealish has found it difficult to settle at the Etihad and has more recently found himself out of the side through lack of form and, more recently, injury. He didn't didn't play today. Um, he wasn't in the squad today. Uh, City beat West Ham. Uh, City, however, continue to dominate matches and sit second in the, in the Premier League and have progressed to the knockout stages of, of the Champions League also. This is undoubtedly a huge test for Gerrard's men, as we all know the qualities uh, which City possess. However, with two wins under his belt, Gerrard will certainly have a plan for this one. And the hope will be that his team can execute it in a similar fashion to to how Crystal Palace did a few weeks ago. Any thoughts on how we might set up for this one? Any changes do you see? And do you see Grealish actually showing his face? Well, I think that the Grealish uh, thing is 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 really interesting. Obviously, we knew and we spoke about how you know all that glitters is not gold, and that's actually a probably a chastening warning for the Chukwemenka representatives. Um, there's there's two parallels there. First of all, you want to talk about a pathway at Aston Villa? How about being the first 100 million pound player playing for England and, uh, and and all that other good stuff? That's a, a Jack Grealish, Aston Villa Academy graduate. But Jack Grealish himself, we've spoken about in length. Um, <laughs> at real length in real uh, detail. You know, Jack Grealish, and I think it was Daniel Betridge who used the term enabled. Jack, some of Jack Grealish's less fantastic qualities off the field, perhaps we can characterize them as such, were enabled and covered up by Aston Villa as a, an institution and also us as fans. We also played a part in that. And we've seen already that is not necessarily going to be the case in Manchester. He does not have the same support system. He doesn't have the same secrecy. And we're seeing, you know, Jack Grealish, unfortunately for him, appearing a lot more on the front pages than than he has on the back pages. Um, he's out with, a, I think, an unspecified injury. It could be that those biscuit shins again, or it could be something else. I mean, it, frankly, it's no longer any of my business. Um, but Man City, with or without Jack Grealish, are an absolutely incredible outfit. Um, I watched them today, today against a very good West Ham side and they just, I still don't know how they do it, but how on earth they managed to do it. They did it to Paris Saint-Germain in the week. They did it to uh, West Ham today. We're recording on Sunday, November 28th. They always managed to get these tapping goals every week it's just incredible like everyone knows what they're doing everyone knows what they're going to try and do but no one can can stop them you, you said how do we set up for this one I would expect not to set up with <laughs> Leon Bailey uh, because you're going to need someone to track the the overlapping fullbacks and the overloads they create at, at the uh, at the byline to get those cutbacks so I think this would be an ideal fixture actually for uh, again Daniel Betrich's uh, baby boy Trezeguet um, because he's probably our hardest working wide player and, and, and someone that you're going to need to really uh, be defensively alive because, you know, they just always manage to get those overloads and, and, and put balls across your six-yard box. And then, um, you know, they, the, the, the midfielders or, or forwards are there to tap it in. So we have to try and stop that. I, easier said than done because 
no one really is able to, to stop it. But Crystal Palace did, it, did, it, did a good job. I think that maybe we look at uh, the counter-attack against Man City is really important. And as we alluded to earlier, whoever's playing up front, I imagine it will be Ollie Watkins again. Uh, he needs to make sure he looks after the ball a, a lot better against Man City because once you when you get the ball and you get them turned and running back towards their own goal, they, they can be very, very vulnerable to a counter-attack. Uh, as Zaha demonstrated, Traore, um, I think Nuno was was able to do jobs on, on City a couple of times just by having Traore on their last man and just punting it <laughs> punting it over the top. But he's, you know, and, and, and he scored a couple of goals. So there are ways to get at City. But um, first of all, you have to have a good day defensively. And then when you get the opportunity, you have to be ruthless on the counter-attack and you can't give a, the ball away cheaply because they're just so, so good. Yeah, absolutely. I think and maybe that is a um, a, uh, a role for Bailey in the team, playing on the last man, maybe with his pace. Perhaps he's 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 the man to play down the middle um, yeah. for this one. But I mean, you know, they'll, I'm sure I'm sure Gerard and and McAllister etc. will be be looking at all those options. I think on on Jack Grealish, I I, I think that um, you know it might be it might be beneficial for everyone if he wasn't involved i think it could it could uh, turn into a bit of a circus if he is involved and i think i'd rather it just be about aston villa and steven gerrard and 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 how we're going to um, approach the game really rather than you know whether we should be booing um someone that left us um a few months ago i have to say i mean it's it's so frustrating the fact that you know he he is in this position now where you know, fair enough. We've got a hundred million, but I think we'd all rather um, be watching Jack Grealish play for Villa every week. And you know, he's he's now in a position where you know he's he's really not not doing anything there. And again, you said you said it yourself. With or without Jack Grealish, they're they're an incredible side. Well, you know, what does that tell you about the move? He, you know, he's not he's not adding anything. They don't mind if he plays or not. It's it's kind of um, a bit of a pointless situation for everyone, really, isn't it? Unless he, well, I, I imagine his bank, I imagine Grealish's bank manager is rubbing his hands together. I mean, and his agents, uh, the uh, yeah. what's his name? His agent, same same guy looks after Bale. I forget yeah, his name. Barnet. Uh, the, the Barnet. There you go. You know, it, not pointless for everyone, Andy. But uh, no, no. From a football perspective, though, um, you know. So I mean, you know, no one likes to see see someone um flounder um and i'm sure you know jack grealish has 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 risen to most challenges in his in his football career so far so you know perhaps he will um he will make make a go of it over the next 18 months or so but um it's 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 disappointing really to see him in in this position but then from a from a a sort of tribal Aston Villa point of view, it's it's also quite quite amusing. Well, um, I, I'm not disappointed by it at all. I you know I I said that I wanted Grealish to fail, not because I hate him or it's anything personal, just because I think I want him to be a cautionary tale. I want us, you know, Gerard when he's having a chat with Chukwemeka, or if John McGinn keeps playing like this, someone comes in for him, or, or Esri Konza, who or whichever one of our players someone tries to poach. I want you know Jack Grealish to be like a, a warning a warning sign well yeah you know you you, you can go there but hmm, you know look what happened to Grealish 
Mm-hmm. You don't want that to Absolutely. be you, do you? You're better off saying, "Yeah, I want him to be, uh, I want him to be a, a fairy tale or a, uh, a a nursery rhyme." You tell your you, you tell your young kids in the academy, you know, little uh, Mark Delaney's got them sitting around the uh, sitting on the carpet around his chair on the open fire. This is what happens if you go down to the city today. Da, 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 you know, it's a Jack Grealish. I don't have it written, but that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you need to get on that cable behind you and, uh, and compose something. But I, I, I think um, I think this is it. And you know, it's it's. I, I suppose what what frustrates me is the fact that he's he's not doing anything for City when he could be doing great things for us. And 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 that's that's um, that's the that's the frustrating thing. I think that's the annoying thing. Um, but having made the move, that's it. Now he's he's gone. He's 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 their player. Um, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But he's certainly not adding anything. He's not added one one thing to their to their team really. Um, I think he's scored two goals since he's been there. Um, one I think came off his off his off his shin. Fully enough. Um, so maybe that's what injured him. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, see what Gerard's got in store for that but obviously following this Villa face uh, Leicester City at Villa Park on Sunday as well and uh, Brendan Rodgers' team is is finding consistency hard to come by um, with Liverpool away to follow I think this match will be will be one that Gerard will target as a possible upset um, but whatever the result against City Leicester will certainly provide more of an idea I think of, of where we stand currently um, and uh if there is any legs in our in our European aspirations this season, um, it's difficult, isn't it, to before the you know to predict or to to, to say too much about the game the, the next game after the next one. Um, but what are your thoughts uh, with Leicester coming to Villa Park on on Sunday? I've been really surprised by Leicester. Um, they've they've not found any kind of rhythm uh, this season. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is 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 being heavily linked with replacing both. Um, Pep Guardiola and uh, Solskjaer at the Manchester clubs respectively uh, loud rumours that Pep is coming towards the end of his uh, of his time at Manchester City so um, has that unsettled Leicester City um, who knows but they haven't been quite the same and I think although they won I think today against uh, Watford um, it was a closer game I think than the scoreline suggested and um, I think that this is probably a good time to be playing Leicester before they've found form but obviously Leicester have massive threats as well you know they, they have been a top six club uh, for the uh, in, in the recent past and they're there on merit you know James Madison on his day very very good player punished us heavily uh, last season um, when left unattended scored a goal today as well Madison Vardy uh, needs no introduction we know what he brings Ndidi Samare I mean uh, you know I don't need to list their 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 squad they have some really incredible uh, talent at Leicester City so um, it's going to be a tough a tough ask but I think that having Villa in this good moment hopefully we can keep our momentum against Manchester City and having maybe uh, some 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 more time on the training ground although obviously it's going to be a very busy week this week with two games uh, it gives hopefully the boys you know having won the Villa boys having won two games hopefully they go into both the City and Leicester games with a lot more confidence and hopefully we can we can get the three points against Leicester because as you say you know that being sandwiched in between the uh, Manchester City and Liverpool fixtures 
um, three points against Leicester could be very, very important for us. Yeah, I think that's it. And and like I say, you know, it also gives us, I mean, that Leicester are in a similar kind of position in the table to us. So, you know, these are the teams that we need to be to be looking to to overhaul really to 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 get ahead and and, and get into that title race uh, uh, not title race <laughs> the um yeah let's get into the title race <laughs> let's go for it um get into the, the the race for the uh the Europa Conference League which which do you know what i, I know it sounds uh, a bit tin pot but i love the idea of playing all those obscure teams in in Europe next season i think that would be absolutely Europe, class yeah. I'm with you, Andy. European football in in Aston Villa at Villa Park after the last ten years we've had as a football club is not to be sniffed at. There's no no tin potness. You're in it. You try and win it. Um, I think that some of the the English teams of, of Tottenham in particular have treated it with contempt. But I think Aston Villa, you know, we would we'd be a little bit more appreciative of those European nights, even if it's not like the. Uh, you know, some of the, the more historic European names, it's still a European competition. It's still a potential trophy, a potential major trophy that you can win for your football club. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So um, we'll start then with some predictions. We've got four to make between us. <laughs> so um, Man City first, Craig. Uh, Man City, unfortunately, I'm going to go for a 2-0 um, defeat. I think Man City okay. are just too good and I don't think Gerard's had enough time on the training pitch you know to to really get hold of it and I think um no no I'm changing my mind 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, 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 Man City we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a draw with yeah. our tails are up marvelous the camber has turned into N'Golo Kante um, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, the winger, whoever it is, is going to make sure we don't get done on the overlap. Konza's going to be there. Mings is going to be there. We've got Emi Martinez to save the day if, if Man City do get through. Uh, yeah, 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'm going to go for... I was I was thinking about this. I never predict Villa to lose. So I'm going to go for 2-2 two, two, two on this one. Um, I think there'll be goals. Um, and Leicester? Uh, Leicester, I think, can can be a Villa win. I think uh, 2-1 Villa. Yeah, I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0 Villa uh, against Leicester. Uh, Danny Ings, I reckon, will uh, will we'll bang in the winner. Um, Hard to do great... that from the subs bench, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can. Yeah, he, he can. Oh, yeah, as a sub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, right, so... Uh, Thanks for joining me, Craig. It's uh, it's been great great to chat you chat to you for the the last hour or so, and um, uh, hope you get over for the um, maybe not for the Leicester game, but certainly for a few days in Birmingham with your family. I hope hope that that works out for you. Me um, too. And thanks to uh, to everyone for listening. Um, if, like I say, if you want to get your Manscaped products, head over to manscaped.com for twenty percent off with the code Lamp. And um, free shipping as well with that, ready for Christmas. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, just search under a gaslit lamp and, uh, and and give us a give us a follow, give us a tick. Or if you want to 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 head over and read all the all the latest articles around the the Villa first team, the Villa women, and of course the academy, then head over to underagaslitlamp.com for all that. Otherwise, um, enjoy the games. The, the the Villa Park double header this week. Let's hope we can get some more points on the board. 
Um, and we'll be back next week to to chew it all over and look forward to the Anfield trip. So take care, stay safe and up the villa.